is Off Script with Trish Glose. Intimate interviews and conversations with interesting people, at least to me, and in front of my microphone today is Mr. Don Hurley. Are you looking around? I'm looking for somebody interesting. No, I wanted you. to interview you. I think oh. that would be more interesting. Okay, well, the next time I have you on, we'll switch roles. You'll sit here. Okay. I'll sit there. All right. And you can interview me. Um, because it would be really, Kingsley Kelly, our general manager, said the same thing. He's mm -hmm. like, why don't we interview you? And I'm just like, or you interview yourself, which is just creepy and weird. I think it would be fun, though. Well, okay, let's do it. Yeah, I'm, you, you I'm gotta totally do down. It. Move Milt out of the green screen. Put yourself there. <laughs> ask yourself questions. That's so weird. I think it would be a blast. Okay, well, I have to tell everybody who you are. You work at Bicoastal. You're the right. operations manager? I am the operations manager. Okay. I oversee six radio stations and uh, all the DJs. And, That's uh, a lot. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, there's nothing better. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a very rewarding career. You know, something I've been doing for the better part of 34 years now. Awesome. And yeah. you're also on the radio. Yes. I do the morning show on Cool 103. Yes. Every morning from 5.30 Wait, can, you, can you say that like you do on the radio? Like I do on the radio? Yeah. You know what? Most people, you don't have a radio voice. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's because you project. Yeah. So 103.5, Cool 103, that is the Steve Miller Band. I'm like Don it. Hurley, and so on and so forth. So... Can you do the TV thing? Yeah, so, because um, people say that to me too. My yeah. voice is a little higher pitched when I'm just like talking. Right. But if I was on the news, I would say, um, good evening, I'm Trish Close. Thanks for joining us tonight. Right. So it's just a little, yeah, you just, it comes from here, I think. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, a little, little bit more here right. as opposed to here. Right. So. Okay, we're going to talk about radio and voice and music and all that stuff in just a second. First of all, where are you from, sir? Well, it depends on your perspective. Um, you know, I, I pretty much was born in San Diego and grew up in Philomath, Oregon, which is uh, outside of Corvallis. Okay. So that that is where I spent my formidable years. Philomath. Philomath. Okay, and that's is that a fairly small town? In it's Oregon? a town of about uh, forty five hundred now. When we were there, it was uh, about twenty five hundred. Okay. I was an exchange student to Australia for a year. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. Lived a number of different places over the years. When were you an exchange student? Back in 1983 and 84. Okay. Um, so you say a number of different places. I mean, did mm -hmm. your family move around or did you move around? I moved around. Okay. Once I got into radio, I started in Corvallis at KFLY and went from there uh, down to Palm Springs to San Diego, back to San Diego. And went to Las Vegas and mm -hmm. Michigan, upstate New York, back to San Diego, Bellingham, wow. Washington, finally here. Mm. But in the 34 years, one half of my career has only been in two places. Ten years here and seven in Bellingham. Okay, so. so uh, moved around a lot the first half. Was it really, radio took you to those places? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Were you looking just to try out different markets or what was the goal? Well, everything was a different adventure. You know, I was, you know, moving to become a DJ in an afternoon drive capacity and then moving to become a program director and then mm. moving to become an operations manager. Everything was always an upward move. Very rarely was it a lateral move okay. or, or anything else. Um, you know, going back to San Diego, for instance, I'd already been an ops manager and a program director, but I got to be an assistant program director and afternoon drive DJ in a big market, which was fun. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, uh, I don't necessarily consider that a downward move, but right. you know, it's one of those things where you know, opportunity presented itself back in my hometown, able to get the girls back with their grandparents. And, nice. And, yeah, that was great. So were you looking then, did you want to be on the radio or was the manager part more fun for you or a little bit of both? Well, the industry has changed a lot, as you can imagine. Yes. You know, much the way that TV has mm -hmm. and the fact that uh, back when we first started in the mid 80s, you're only allowed one AM and one FM station per ownership group. So. 
uh, once the deregulation occurred back in the mid-90s with the Telecom Act. um, Then it became, you know, all right, now you can own several radio stations. Suddenly, automation comes in. It requires fewer people to operate a radio station. I had to reinvent myself many times. I'm sure. Yeah, in order to more or less stay above the the fold. So, you know, I was still relevant and... I think that's what we do. We do here too, because as you just mentioned, TV has changed so much. Where you get a lot of people get news now on their cell phones or on their smart tablets or whatever, and so we've sort of had to change how we present the news to our viewers, and then make it interesting to what can we put on you know our newscast that's interesting for people to actually tune in and watch. Right. It's a challenge. It is a challenge, and how people view TV is no different than how people now are listening to radio. Mm -hmm. They want more on demand. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact when I sit down with my family at night and we go back and and watch you and Brian and Milt. (laughs) Thank you. uh, At six, you know, that it's on the DVR. And so Mm -hmm. that way we're able to more or less take our Mm -hmm. time. And when Chanel's being noisy, we can hit the pause button and and kind of go back and see what we missed. I love that. Yeah, I do too. I have to admit, that's great. It also, um, my husband and I, when we'll watch something, he'll pause it because he wants to analyze whatever has just been said. Right. So a 30-minute program turns into now an hour-long deal. Oh, Tiffany does the same thing. She may go back several times. And we pretty much leave the closed caption on because, you know, more often mm-hmm. than not, that's the best way to get above a, a house full of animals and a five-year-old. So <laughs> like, That's awesome. So where where would you consider home then? What's home for you? Here. Okay. Very much so. Like, are, do you, would you consider yourself an Oregonian? Yes, okay. definitely. Yeah, I mean, growing up in Philomath, um, still have family there. My sister and uh, her husband and kids. My my dad lives in Corvallis. Uh, that is still technically home, but, you know, mm-hmm. I've found that the Rogue Valley is, is technically home now. Okay. I mean, there's no question. But no, I do consider myself an Oregonian. Um, I only lived here 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, from about 1979 to about 1988, 89. And, and then started moving around so much that mm-hmm. I wasn't sure really if I had that connection. Yeah. But I realized I, I truly do that, you know, this is indeed home. Yeah, I, I've been here since 2002, but I'm originally from South Carolina, and right. I just can't let go of the, the southern roots. I just yeah. can't. No, you can't. It, it'll always be a part of me. Yeah. So, But I do consider myself an Oregonian. Yeah, I mean, point. you've been here long enough. I know. You know you can easily They've accepted identify. me. Right. I mean, when I think about the fact that, you know, you've been on TV here at Channel 10. Yeah. Uh, ever since I got to town in April of uh, t- uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are very much a fixture and, yeah. and very much a part Thank of you. the community. The natives have accepted me. The natives have accepted you. I just <laughs> wish that they would finally accept me. But, yeah. <laughs> There's still hope for you, Don. There is. Uh, what was your childhood like? It was wonderful. Yeah? I, you know, How was, so? Yeah, mom and dad uh, growing up in uh, suburban San Diego, and, and uh, I was 12 years old when uh, they decided to uh, chase their dreams and want to buy some property and move to Oregon. My dad had a had an opportunity to do that. It didn't last very long, so he started his own business. And mm-hmm. my sister and I were very, very much a part of that. Awesome. And yeah, so we, we learned a great work ethic mm-hmm. very young. And uh, folks worked hard. You know, awesome. Uh, school was fun. And, yeah, I, when I look back, you know, that's why I love the music of the 70s and 80s, because I can really say that mm-hmm. it brings back such great memories. Oh, man. And if you had a good childhood, I've always always firmly believed that, you know, the music will always help you remember those good times. Absolutely. Smells and music and yes. food it just kind of takes you back. Isn't that true? It's so true. Um, and then being from San Diego, are you a ocean ocean boy? 
Not necessarily. No? No. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I love going to the beach. And, mm -hmm. you know, I lived in Western Australia. I used to go body surfing all the time. Right. Lived with a family that was very close to the beach uh, for part of the year. And would accompany my host brother down where he would jog the beach while I would get out in the water. Awesome. We went back last year, and I cannot believe all the shark nets that were all around the beaches. You know, and it's like, geez, I used to be out there with no protection. I know. It's like, wow. How old were you when you did that? I was 16 to oh, 17. Oh, awesome. Why Australia? You know, that's a great question, Trish. And I think, honestly, if I look back on it, it was because there was no language barrier. I didn't mm. have any additional languages in school. So, you know, it seemed like it was a, a good mm -hmm. good fit for me. And when they first said, yeah, you're going to Morley, Western Australia, I, there was not an internet to look it up and go, where's Morley? <laughs> right. Never even heard of it. Right. But then I found out it's a suburb of Perth, which at the time was about just over a million people. And now it's just over 2 million. Okay. And, wow. Uh, yeah, big city. Yeah. Really big city. That's awesome. And you still stay in touch with the family? Yep. Um, yeah, I stayed with uh, two families, the McFadgens as well as the Nashes, and then I had a girlfriend down there the, and uh, stayed in touch with her family, the Craigies. And, and, uh, That's so cool. Yeah, so you met someone while you were there? Yes. You were there for a year? Yeah, I was there for a year. And uh, Tiffany took me back for my 50th birthday last year, That's which awesome. was the very first time that I'd been back. And it was wonderful just seeing old friends and, and the families I stayed with. And mm -hmm. yeah, it was remarkable. Very cool. Where'd yeah. you go to high school? Uh, Philomath, Oregon. Okay, how was yeah. that? That was great. You know, it's a timber town, and, mm -hmm. you know, it's a... Uh, <laughs> I guess I have to look back at my high school years. My freshman year was the year that Oregon had its very first female quarterback. Her name was Tammy Maida. Really? Yeah, and she was the quarterback of our JV team. And they actually made a CBS um, made-for-TV movie starring Helen Hunt. How cool! Called Quarterback Princess about my freshman year, essentially. You know, with this girl named Tammy Maida. That's amazing. Yeah, no, it was it was honestly very cool. Yeah, and we constantly had TV cameras around, whether it's real people or that's incredible uh -huh. or all those old shows that they used to have yeah. on network TV. There was always somebody in town, and boy, that just would fire up the opponents. They just couldn't wait to rip through our offensive line mm -hmm. and tackle her and and try to make her look bad on on TV. That's but, terrible. Yeah, so that was great and. The school district is also known for the uh, Clemens Scholarship. And there was an actual documentary that was made about 10 years ago about, you know, how everybody that went to Flomath High School mm -hmm. was essentially awarded a four-year scholarship to college. Real estate agents were using that as a magnet to get people to move into town. Mm -hmm. uh, it certainly was not on the horizon when my folks moved us there. They didn't right. even know about it. But uh. it was certainly an added benefit. It got my sister and, and me into college. and. And uh, I've got a year and a half to go when I decide I want to finish it up. It's grandfathered in. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, where'd you go? I went to Lynn Benton Community College. Okay. Yeah, I spent a couple of years there just kind of spinning my wheels because I was already in radio. I started at 17 and I wanted to pursue that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just kind of wanted to get into college just to just to do yeah, a few things. Yeah, for sure. Are you planning? Do you want to go back? Do you want to finish? I would love to. It's right. just a matter of finding the time. Oh, you know. tell me about it. Yeah, with a, uh, a job that keeps me more than busy, and uh, we've got a five-year-old at home, so mm -hmm. yeah, right. It's, uh, it's We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, so you got into radio at seventeen, right? And you just—I mean, was it something for you? It just clicked. It just fit. Not right away. I okay. have to admit, it, it did my heart, but I don't think necessarily talent-wise, I was in a situation where I was really developing very quickly. So I was kind of a slow go at first. Okay. It wasn't until I got into a much more aggressive 
area and uh, you know really particularly into California for instance where I felt like okay this is where I'm gonna grow particularly a city like San Diego mm -hmm. where you're just surrounded by such great talent such a great community and yeah when you're surrounded by greatness you tend to strive more for greatness for sure that competition not very much so drives you yeah. where where'd this voice come from um Boy, that's a good question. <laughs> I have no idea. Did you have it at 17? Uh, probably from the time they took my tonsils out at age four. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. It's a good one. It reminds me a little bit of um, Shadow Stevens. Yeah, I love Shadow. Right? Yeah. He has such an amazing voice. Uh, when Kevin Lawless, our old meteorologist. I love Kevin, too. Yeah, me too. Um, when Kevin would get awful, he would get sick, and so his voice would right. get kind of deeper and scraggly, and I always called him Shadow Stevens. Shadow Stevens, yeah. yeah. So, no, it's a, it's a fantastic voice, and I think that's what separates a lot of people. I mean, if you don't have the, those good vocal tones, you're right. not going to be on the radio. Well, you know, I think some people have made a career out of it. It mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be, but, you know, I, th I think overall, over time, you kind of develop that. Um, would I still be doing this if I were an engineer or a garbage collector? You know, would I sound like this? I don't know. Yeah. I, I really don't know. Yeah, it's a good, that's but a good point. But it's something that you do work on. It is your craft and, mm -hmm. and you tend to kind of hone it because, you know, ultimately you want to do the voiceovers. You want to mm -hmm. do the fun stuff like I was doing with you last summer. Yes. Uh, the Oregon Wine Experience. Right. Getting to be the grand announcer. I know. Standing in the background being, you know, like all the, I loved uh, it. you know, the big booth announcers. You know, Gary Owens with my hand to my ear. Yes, exactly. But yeah, it was fun. And uh, yeah, this year we actually get to host I know. the metal so celebration together. This year for Oregon Wine Experience, you and I are going to be on stage um, co-MCs for the metal celebration. And it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really so excited. And I'm glad you're tall because I'm going to wear tall heels. Well, good. Okay, good. I am too. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> good. Let's just make sure they coordinate. Exactly. Please. Yeah. Um, and you also, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, part of you getting into radio is your love of music. Oh, very much so. I mean, and you're a big big fan of, like you said, the 70s and 80s? Oh, yeah. Okay, so some of your favorite bands. Some of my favorite bands? Well, that's a that's a good one because, yeah, my band choices tend to run so deep. Sure. You know, from living in, in Australia, um, you know, there were a lot of Australian bands that I really identified with when I was there. Mental as anything and Divinals and and uh, Ice House and In Excess and things like that. But I think oh, growing up, I was kind of a closet, I wasn't really a closet metalhead. I was a metalhead, but okay. it was Judas Priest and Scorpions and mm -hmm. all the fun stuff from the early 80s. It was pretty mainstream back then, Def Leppard and so on. But um, over time, you know, I really picked up a big uh, R&B uh, taste hmm. and um, I pretty much love everything. And right now, you know, as uh, we get ready for Brit, Cool 103 this year is bringing in the um, uh, Happy Together Tour, which is all the iconic late 60s yes. American artists like you know, Chuck Negron at Three Dog Night, The Association, Flo and Eddie mm -hmm. of the Turtles, and so on. So I'm kind of going back and rediscovering a lot of that. But, you know, if you ask my wife, our favorite is Pink Martini. We actually moved our <gasps> yes. we moved our wedding day or in time around Pink Martini back in 2009. Uh, just simply because we had to go to that show. So we mm -hmm. made our wedding earlier in the day. Wow, that is dedication. So, yeah, so uh, musical, yeah, when it comes down to it, I love pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'll agree with you there. And then, I don't know if I was just going to ask you this question. Have you seen High Fidelity? Yes, I have, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to totally throw you under the bus. In High Fidelity, it's top five everything. Your right. top five whatever. So right. top five favorite bands. Top five favorite bands? Boy. I know, sorry. Yeah, that is tough. I may just probably spout a few off. Um, I'm going to say Divinals, probably number one. Okay. Um, 
this is the most, yeah, Chris Isaac, hmm. uh, Pink Martini, mm-hmm. Queensryche, and New Shoes. Okay, good. Yeah. That's so a, good list. a little bit of everything. And it changes, I'm sure. Oh, it does. Yeah. It definitely changes. And I'm sure I'll probably toss in about three more by the time we're done. But, sure. Yeah. There's nothing like music, whether you're exhilarated or you're completely down in the dumps. There's nothing like music to just help you get through life. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoy presenting it each and every day. Try to give it a different twist, a different mm-hmm. take. Um, you know, you can go back and tell the same stories over and over and over. But it's how you're able to relate it and how you're able mm-hmm. to, you know, take you back to, like mm-hmm. you said, those, that first time you heard it, you know, and what you were doing. And, you know, I can pretty much tell you, you know, what I was doing first time I heard everything. And, you know, 1979 has a real sweet spot for me. You know, that was the year that we actually moved to Corvallis and, or Philomath. And that was a lot of fun. And yeah. the fact that, you know, there was a lot of the music from right before we left the San Diego area that I really loved. And, and then uh, the music that was really big that summer that we first moved up here and listening to the radio nonstop. And I think that's really where the radio bug kind of bit me is the fact that music has such a profound impact. Mm-hmm. And why not make a career out of it? Yeah. I, I'm not musical. It's not like I can pick up anything. Exactly. And play it. Yeah. I might as well be able to relate it, you know, through others, pe- other people's music. Um, I remember listening, my mom would listen to the radio in the car and at home, and it was always 50s music. Mm-hmm. And so I have a huge love. Right. Of music from the 50s. And I'm going to be a total jerk. 1979 was the year I was born. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I knew, I've, I've known that you're younger, but, you know, at the same time, you know, 1979, uh, it, was a, it was a great year for me. My, my reporters. You were born in a great year. I know I was. My reporters was do that. I 67, so. Yeah. Okay. My reporters do that to me all the time. They're like, oh, I was born in 1990. I'm right. like, What? That's not possible. I've, Ashley Maine on uh, Q100.3, she was born a month after I started in radio. So I kind of always kind of have to reference that and go, yeah, that's right. She probably doesn't get what I'm just talking about. <laughs> yeah. No wonder her head's down in the meetings. She doesn't understand right, you know, right. some of us old farts. Uh, sorry, Ashley. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, so, and you're also a huge fan of Brit. You're going to a Brit tonight, right? I uh, went to Brit last night. Last we night. went to the uh, Best of Brit and... Um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't go uh, to see Chris Isaac the night before. We kind of had a yeah. bummer day where we had to uh, put um, our 15-year-old dog down, and Ugh. yeah, it was just uh, it was a it was a heavy day. But we uh, we'll be back. We'll be going to Brit many times this year, and and uh, Tiffany and I have become real classical geeks. So oh, the classical section of Brit is amazing. Yeah, and I don't know really why more people don't go. I think we went to five out of seven of them last year. It's amazing. It's it truly, a, it's just a beautiful thing to witness. It is. It's remarkable. And, and uh, honestly, that's one of my favorite things mm-hmm. of living here is the fact that we've got so much. I know. You know, not only with Brit, but, you know, the Rogue Valley Symphony. We've got OSF. We've got such great local theater. I know. We are so blessed. We really are. It's kind of, it's kind of stupid to think about all that we have here. It is. <laughs> you know, really, you know, when you think about everything that we have in, in much bigger cities, I don't even think Eugene has a quarter of what we have. Yeah. You, you really think about it. Uh, Portland's got a great night scene. But, you know, really, when it comes down to it, you know, the stuff out of McMinniman's, yeah, it pales in comparison to what we have at Brit. I agree. I agree with you 100%. Um, so speaking of Tiffany, when did you guys get married? We got married in 2009, and um, we met right after I got here in 2008. I admit I stalked her from Bellingham. Oh. Uh, she was on uh, deep. She was on Match.com, and I thought, you know, all right, when I get down to Medford and get established, and at the time... My daughter was a teenager, and I figured, all right, once we get down there and get get going, 
you know, all right, who are the women down there? And, you know, I know for a fact that, you know, going through Match.com for women, uh-huh. you might as well look at the Jackson County Jail Registry. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that. But for guys, it's a little different. You get you get better choices, obviously. Oh, and I thought, wow, she she's fantastic. Oh, that's She funny. sounds great. And if she's still single and available mm-hmm. when I get down there. And she was just kind of more or less lurking on Match.com. She wasn't active. And, and uh-huh. then I reached out and more or less uh, spurred her interest apparently. And so, yeah, we dated for about, uh, about 15, 16 months before we got married. Nice. Yeah. Does she know you stalked her? Yes, she does. Okay, good. Yeah, this is, this is not new information. (laughs) Not in the least. And so you have children from a, uh, just a previous Mm -hmm. relationship. I do. Three, three girls? I have a total of three. Three. Uh, Ariana's the oldest. Um, she comes from my first wife's, uh, previous relationship and I I adopted her. Oh, and so she was about five, uh, almost, actually she was six when I adopted her. And then later that year, her sister Avalon was born. And uh, so Ariana will be 32 this year, Avalon will be 25. Wow. And then we have a five-year-old. Right. Uh, Tiffany's got two kids. She's got a daughter and also a son. And her daughter, unfortunately, was unable to raise her daughter, mm-hmm. uh, Chanel, who was born back in September of, uh, of 12. She'll be six years old this year. Can't believe it. But uh, Tiffany and I uh, jumped at the opportunity to adopt her. Mm. So I've got a 32-year-old, a 25, and a six-year-old this year. That's so. that's pretty sweet. And I don't want to brush over the fact um, that a lot of people will say, well, adoption, you know, it's kind of the right thing to do. You didn't have to do that. No, we didn't. We most certainly didn't. And I told Tiffany, um, unfortunately, when when we found out her daughter got pregnant, I said, I just have a feeling we're going to end up raising this child. And, uh, and I was right, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. And I told Tiffany initially, I don't think I can do this. Uh-huh. We're so busy. We're, you know, we've got a life. We've got this. we got that. Trust me. Life changed. We made room. We changed our lives. We, you know, went out and bought a trailer. We go camping. We mm. pack it all up and, and go with it, and it's been great. So, right. you know, to be able to, to go back and, and do this again has been difficult at times, but at the same time, I wouldn't trade it for anything, Trish. Right, and it happens a lot, sadly, that it does. Uh, kids are getting pregnant, and then the grandparents are essentially raising these right. babies because the kids just can't. They no. just they, they just can't. They're not, they're not in that frame of mind. Well, not in that frame of mind, unfortunately, chemically. Um, right. Yeah, and uh, that's just... Uh, the unfortunate part, we really are looking forward to having her back in our lives and, and be able to reintegrate her. But we're, we'll always be mom and dad to Chanel. That's mm-hmm. that goes without saying. That's amazing. Yeah, and we will we will raise her. Mm-hmm. You know, and we will always be mom and dad regardless. Well, kudos to you. I think kids have it so so difficult these days that you know whether it's adoption or it's being a step parent or a real parent or whatever. Family is family, and mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not doesn't fit into this little box no it doesn't and that's just it and you know i think of the nuclear family i grew up in and the ones that my parents grew up in Mm -hmm. you know two parents one typically work one at home Mm -hmm. two kids right and you know that's kind of the way i grew up is warden june june cleaver and Mm -hmm. and uh my little sister the beef and uh (laughs) and me wally we uh we had a pretty you know utopian middle class life right and we expect that, you know, I think when we get married and when things don't go right, and which certainly you know, took a few years. I was married uh, 13 years, I think, the first time. Mm-hmm. 
And you certainly always want to maintain that. You always hope, hold out hope, but then you realize that, no, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, mom and dad are better off apart and, you mm-hmm. know, the kids end up okay. And, and, uh, Ariana's got, uh, you know, two boys and, uh, Tiff's son has got, uh, one on the way and, uh, one, uh, who will be, I think three this year. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's just different. Yeah. It's yeah. modern family. I agree. And it's, I gained a stepfather when I was 12 or 13. And mm. then I have a stepson who's now 19. Wow. But I don't refer to, I've known Connor since he was four. He's been right. in my life since he was four. So he's my kid. Yeah. Of you course know? So. so I just think that there's, it's just like you said, it's not normal to have right. just, it is what it is today. It is. Very much so. And, you know, I may only have one biologically, but I've got five, yeah. you know, that are a big part of my heart. Sure. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's the way it is. And, right. And, I mean, it's even stranger on Tiff's side of the family because, yeah, she comes from steps and this, that, and the other. And uh-huh. it's crazy. I mean, it really, truly is. Whereas I only got one sister. I mean, Tiffany can probably uh, count on two hands, you know, number of brothers, including ancestors and including steps right you know? and uh, that's just the way it is well like i said family is family it is you can't live with them and you can't live without them no so so true <laughs> so let's talk about casa a little bit yes i know you're heavily involved with casa right and that was uh, really as a result of our mm-hmm. situation and the fact is that uh, you know tiff and i were certainly okay uh, means and so on and so forth but that day January 7th of uh, 2014, when we found ourselves holding a 15-month-old, essentially, grandchild. Right. That we really were not equipped to uh, to take on. CASA was right there. Mm-hmm. They were amazing. And I can never, ever forget them you right. know, and what, what, they, what they did for us. Uh, they were there with car seat and clothes and diapers and things that, you know, we really as grandparents were not equipped for. Mm-hmm. We were okay for overnight stays and so on and so forth, but, you know, here we are. And, uh, you know, it uh, it wasn't going to change. We knew that. And um, they afforded us the ability at least to get to the weekend so we can get to Walmart and Costco and get the things that we needed to. Mm. And CASA, for those who don't know, is court-appointed special advocates. Right. So they give these children who mothers and fathers have been essentially taken away from them. They right. kind of give them a voice they give the child in the legal a voice. system. Yeah. And it was great because we didn't always want uh, everybody to believe everything we said. We wanted, you know, people to be able to come in and out of our lives as they did, you know, with DHS. Uh, we had a, a caseworker with Goodwill uh, mm-hmm. that uh, worked with us. And certainly Kay Culp, our CASA, uh, was wonderful because it provided us some degree of security as well in the fact that uh, I think every child, regardless whether they're living with their grandparent or out of the home somewhere else with foster parents, they need somebody who is just mm-hmm. purely there for their interests. Kay was not there for our interests. She was there for Chanel's. We became very close with Kay as a result because, you know, we have a fairly normal home. Right. Uh, and yeah, Kay didn't really find anything obviously too alarming about our home. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, it was it was great to know that Chanel had that voice. And that's what I really loved about CASA. And that's one of the reasons why I continue to champion their cause. Well, and if we think about it, it only helps the community in the long run if we take care of these children now. Right. And that's just it. I think you, you look back and how things used to be handled and uh, probably not much different than they've been handled at the international border where mm-hmm. kids were 
uh, you know, taken away from their parents for an indefinite period of time. It could be a period of hours or right. it, it could be weeks, months, even longer, um, that nobody really had the child's interest at heart. And there really wasn't a checks and balances system the way that CASA provides. Right. And so, and CASA's always looking for volunteers, just want to plug them. Very much so. If if anyone is interested, all you have to do is give them a call and, and if you want to be a volunteer, if you want to be an advocate for right. CASA. Yeah. So. And they are, uh, they're wonderful. They do the training. Mm -hmm. uh, you're able to work with a number of uh, different kids or just one individually if you'd like. Yeah. But you are a voice not only for the child uh, in the home, but in the courts and, and things like that as well. I, I, can, I can't think of an a organization that I I really truly treasure right. and, and hold deeply in my heart. Those advocates get special kudos in the universe. Yes. They, also, have, they have good karma. They do. And <laughs> I'm also going to throw a plug out. I'm a board member with the ARC of Jackson County, so uh, working with the intellectually and developmentally disabled, hosting the uh, Live to Dance with the ARC stars for many years. And, nice. And uh, things like that. So, you know, it's like you. Mm -hmm. you know, we're always out there. We're always... Uh, involved with our uh, community and and every time I turn around I see you up on stage every time mm -hmm. you turn around I'm I'm, I'm somewhere You're somewhere and, exactly yeah. I like it though That's I do good. too I enjoy doing that and, uh, and I feel honored that uh, you know I'm reached out to and and that people want me to host their events as I'm sure you do it's f super flattering yeah it's like it's, really yeah it really is yeah, yeah I'm, I'm always touched um so we're gonna wrap up in a second and get to the final three first tell everybody when they can listen to you on the radio I am on uh, Monday through Friday from 5.30 till 10 on Cool 103, which is 103.5 in Medford, 100.7 in Grants Pass, 104.3 mm -hmm. in Ashland, and of course, worldwide at cool1035.com. I've said that a few times. Worldwide? Yeah. You bet the World oh, Wide Web. How can I? Oh, wait. We are worldwide, too. Yeah. You guys are worldwide. KTV. We, we can stream. Uh, you can stream KTVL, our newscast, on the World Wide Web. Yeah. I've got it right there. He's it's got right, the app. It, it's right, right next the to app. Cool 103's Thank app. Thank you. I like that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, and I'm also on Saturday afternoon. I host the 80s show, which is called the Cool Awesome 80s Mixtape. And it's the big hits, the lost classics, and a ton of requests each and every week. You know, it's great. I love a good challenge because there's always somebody throwing me a twist. Like, uh, you know, I remember a song from a soundtrack that came out in 1984, and I bingo. I'm oh, I it. love that. Yeah. So that's I'm super fun. able to get all over it. But that's when I'm on the air. All right, let's get to the final three. Uh, best advice you've ever been given? Well, I would have to say it probably came from my folks. Um, you know, certainly wasn't advice that necessarily was uh, said, but, you know, just in the fact that, you know, they obviously did as they expected of us. Mm -hmm. You know, that there was never a double standard where, oh, yeah, don't, uh, don't do this, um, you know, don't do that. No, they, we live by example, and I think that that's what I really always try to impress upon my kids as well, is the fact that, um, you know, you get in the trenches, you work, and you expect uh, your kids to obviously do that. you got to show them how to do it, and I think that's really what my folks did. My parents taught me incredible work ethic. Yeah. I think that's one thing I will always take away from them, um, and you see it now, especially working with Sorry, those who are younger than you. Right. Um, yeah. Just work ethic is different. It is. It's t incredibly different. And, um, you know, eventually I think they'll they'll get it. But, uh, you know, I, I do see a lot of that from time mm -hmm. to time where, um, and then there are times that there are people that really just blow you out of the water. And I think they probably said that about uh, my generation and, and your generation too. Mm -hmm. Notice how I didn't lump us together. <laughs> There is still 12 years, um, but yeah, Thanks. yeah. But now we, we come from different times, though. Mm -hmm. I really do, do think that uh, Generation yeah. X, uh, yeah, did learn a few good things. And they're teaching us stuff. 
Yeah. Oh, and I'm learning each and every day. Yep. Trust me. So thanks, Generation and, X. Yeah. Yeah. And you millennials, thank you. Um, if you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, what would bring you back here? What would you miss the most? I would uh, definitely miss, as everybody says to this question, the people, but I would really miss the arts. I really, truly believe that we've got such a wonderful community and such a community that supports the arts like none other, uh, whether it's OSF or particularly Brit. Mm -hmm. Brit holds such a special place in my heart. And, uh, um, you know, I just, I can't imagine being somewhere without these sort of things. Yeah. You know, having a symphony orchestra, uh, having world-class arts. Uh, you just don't find that in a community mm -hmm. like this. I mean, geographically, we're, what, about 220,000 people in the metro, but, you know, here in a nice 80,000-person town, mm -hmm. you don't get that sort of stuff. Yeah. We're so lucky. Yeah, theater, too. Yeah, oh, live theater, you bet. It's community amazing. theater is great. All right, if you were given a last meal and a last drink, what would that be? Well, I'd eat like I was going to the chair. <laughs> that's for sure. But I have to admit, Trish, um, that's, a, that's a good question. Because I think my favorite food mm -hmm. is probably the post-Thanksgiving turkey sandwich. Oh, on, yes. On really good white bread. Mayonnaise? Mayo, oh, salt, yeah. pepper, turkey. My mom's stuffing. If you know, My mom's been gone for nearly 10 years. If there's one thing that I wish, and you know, my sister does a pretty good job of it. But if there's one thing I think I probably missed the most about mom's cooking was that stuffing. Mm. It was amazing. And then uh, my grandmother's, uh, we call it cranberry relish that goes on top. Yeah. Slap that together and... I'm drooling. Yeah. That but, sounds amazing. Uh, yeah. I think that would probably be it. And your drink? Uh, it'd be a, it would be a white. Okay. An Umqua 1%. Um, milk, of course. But uh, <laughs> no... It, you know, if I were to choose a alcohol, you almost beverage. had me. You almost yeah. had me. Yeah, because yeah, you're always I'm thinking like, wine. What? Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah, and uh, no, I, I I do enjoy wines, and boy, we had a lot of them last night at uh, at Brit. It just tasted so many great ones. But if I'm pouring something, it would probably be bourbon. Okay. Yeah. Straight, rocks, neat. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what any of those terms mean. But. Well, yeah, and uh, you're, you're always posting on Instagram and Facebook, you know, what uh, Chuck's making for you. And, My bartender. Yeah, and boy, I'm jealous because, yeah, I just end up <laughs> dumping Diet Pepsi in there. So. <laughs> I know, and I, I, put, I commented on that. Yes, you did. So. Yeah, you felt bad for me. Um, I love it. Now I want, I want turkey dinner now. Doesn't that sound great? Yeah. Speaking of stuffing, isn't that funny, though, how that's a food that always takes me back to being eight years old? Totally. It's funny that you hate it when you're seven. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's that you can't live without moment it. where yeah, yeah you just you gotta have, to have it. it. But yeah, grow, it. growing up in a good family, you know, with uh, you know people that know how to cook, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it really does make a difference. It totally makes a difference. Yeah. Don Hurley, this was so fun. I've had a ball. Thank you very much. Will and you come back? Yes, I will to interview you. Because okay. Yeah, I think the world needs to know Trish Close. Oh boy, I don't know if I don't know if they're ready. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I think they are. You're ready. <laughs> no, I wanna. I want you to come back. I want to talk about Australia. Oh yeah, I'd love to. I want to talk about all the places that you've lived. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have you back. But you've got so many more interesting people to get mm. through. I feel so fortunate that I'm one of the very first ones. I mean, what am I, number eleven or twelve? You're or eleven. Something? This is 11? episode eleven. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I'm always so blown away by the people you get in here. You had. 
uh, you know, Rosemary Harrington and Brad Hicks, and you've had Gemini in already, mm -hmm. and Liz Wan's been here, and I'm just always blown away by all these great people, and it's like, I'm so honored. There's oh, so many other great it. people to talk to. I think you're pretty great. Well, so. I, I think you are, too. We are members of uh, each other's mutual admiration. Yes, we well, are. So, yeah. All right. Well, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. We're also on Google Play now, by the way. Check out the video portion of this podcast at ktvl.com. Just click on Features and then Off Script. Don Hurley, once again, thank you so much. Thank you, Trish.